This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Merry Christmas. It is so good to see you here today. I want to echo the comments of Pastor Justin. It is so good to see you, to have you here today, and to support our children's ministry. They truly um, have given you the message already this morning. And this is obviously uh, just one of my most um, favorite things that we do and traditions we have here at Bridgeway uh, to really see kind of all the gifts of the church on display throughout our children. Um, I want to just kind of ask a few questions, uh, maybe more of an application of the story of Christmas that you already heard. In fact, just that word Christmas uh, tells us so much about why we're here. I don't know if you realize that, but the word Christmas is, of course, the word Christ, which is the birth of our Savior that we celebrate, not just this time of year, but hopefully uh, every day. And that little word, mas, at the very end of Christmas, uh, that means to send out. And that's kind of what we hope with the message of Christmas, is that you wouldn't just hear it here and bottle it up as memories, uh, but you would actually take the message of Christ and you would send it out into all the corners and places and spaces that God takes you, that we would be kind of God's hands and feet in the world around us. Uh, if you've been a part of Bridgeway for the past several weeks, we've been going through uh, a book, a little book in the Bible called Galatians. And that series, No Other Gospel, we're actually going to wrap that series up next week, but it's kind of the integration of the gospel at Christmas. We celebrate this sending out of God's love into the world. I kind of just have one question for you this morning, and to kind of apply what the kids acted out for us, I want to just ask you, did it all go as planned? And I'm not talking about did the actors and actresses get their lines right, was the shepherd in the right place on the stage? But when you think about that story of Christmas, did it all go as planned in that little town of Bethlehem? I don't know. I was thinking about Mary this week. I can't imagine that's how she planned her life, right? I mean, scholars would say that Mary, very young, probably 16, maybe as young as 13 years old, and here she is. She's betrothed, engaged to her love of her life, Joseph, and, and then she finds out, right? Everything changes, you're going to have a child, <laughs> and it's going to be divine, right? How will this be, she asked. It'll be, it'll be immaculate, right? It'll be very unusual in the way in which you will bring not only a child, but you will bring God's son into the world. Think about that. I mean, that's kind of a, that's kind of a tough parenting assignment for a young girl. And Joseph, I got to imagine that's not how he drew it up either, right? Here he's thinking, I'm going to get married to this woman, and I love her so much, and I'm thinking I'm going to start a family of my own, and, and for him as well. Like, all of this news had to have been kind of heavy, a little difficult, right? Again, a, a tough parenting assignment for Joseph as well. Even those shepherds in the story, you know, you kind of think of shepherds, and they look so cute on stage here, but in real life, those shepherds would have been kind of the lowest rung on the societal ladder, right? Like, they would have been considered unclean, they would have lived off in the hillside with their dirty sheep. You know, they would have actually had this reputation of being uh, kind of rough individuals. They would have been known to maybe sneak into town at night and steal things from storefronts. And it's the shepherds, right? I mean, this, this char characters, they get to kind of have this divine birth announcement from the angels in heaven. I mean, even the wise men, uh, we kind of think of the stories of the wise men being right on the scene, Johnny on the spot. It was likely 
uh, upwards of a two-year journey for the wise men. They came from the east, the Orient area, following the star. I mean, I look at the story, and, well, the Christmas story, it's beautiful, and it's awe-inspiring, but part of the reason is because you know how it turns out. And yet, for each person in the story, it would have been a very different reality. It would have been what I like to call life disrupted, right? Kind of the interruption of life. And that's why I want to talk about this this morning, this question, because Though the time is different, I think we go through a lot of the same things. We go through interruptions and disruptions in life. And I want to kind of ask this morning, what can you learn? Or maybe better, what can you do when life doesn't go as planned? Now, I don't know about you, but just kind of looking out, uh, a lot of smiling faces this morning. And in a room this size, I can imagine and bet that we've all gone through things in life that, well, didn't go to plan, right? Didn't come out the way we expected. Maybe some of those things were kind of like on the minor, lower end scale of life. Just little frustrations, little unmet expectations, all the way up to things that maybe were devastating in life. And you got to kind of wonder, like, well, what do I do? Things aren't going the way I thought. Now what? I'll tell you, I think most often for me, they tend to be more little, right? And it's the little things. It's the death by a thousand paper cuts. I don't know, just little things. Um, I'll give you kind of a simple example. I was uh, doing what I do very often. I, I was making a smoothie, right? I was putting kind of the ingredients in my ninja as I normally do. Kind of a basic life skill, making a smoothie, right? And I guess for anyone but me, you'll find out. And so I'm adding the ingredients, my kale and banana smoothie. And I had done this a hundred times, but for some reason this time I took the spoon and I placed it precariously on the edge of the ninja. I went back to the cupboard, started getting some other ingredients, and I didn't notice that spoon had kind of slipped into the bottom of the ninja. But I just kept adding ingredients, you know, chia seed and flax and maca. I put the top on and I hit the button like I've done a thousand times, and the engine didn't go. It kind of went and stalled out. So I did what any good man would do. I wrapped that ninja real hard on the top, and it kicked over again and then stalled out. So I hit it a little harder a second time. That got it going, and it got it going in kind of this clink, clink kind of fashion. And before I could realize it, out the side of the ninja at high speed shot my spoon. It was kind of like kitchen shrapnel in the Allbach household, and with it, about 36 ounces of smoothie mush, right? Life did not go as planned when I had to explain to my wife why there was kale all over the kitchen and living room and on the ceiling, right? But I bet things for you have gone maybe worse at times, right? I mean, maybe for you, things haven't gone as planned. You would, you would hope you had worked really hard for a promotion, and you kind of demonstrated capability and proficiency and you were expecting this promotion and your boss looked you over, passed you over for somebody else. Maybe you were hoping, maybe you had made some plans that, hey, by this age, by this time in my life, I'll, I'll be married, I'll have a two-story home, I'll have a boy and a little baby girl and, and that hasn't turned out yet. Maybe you've had some, some expectations, things that haven't gone to plan with your finances or with your investments or with your relationships. Maybe you've gone through life and you've experienced some, some great loss that you weren't expecting. And here's the deal. Here's 
kind of the real life moment is you come to the Christmas story and you bring with it kind of all these things that haven't gone as planned and it can kind of feel like, well, life is a mess. And you can sort of project that onto the Christmas story. You can start thinking, hey, I hear this message. I come to church maybe this time of year, only this time of year. And you hear things like, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our help. And you can start thinking, well, I don't feel very hopeful. And I, I don't feel like Jesus has been very much help to me. I don't feel like this message is for me. And it exactly is. This is the message that God wants for you today. So what do you do? What, how do you take these expectations and these disappointments and make sense of them in the Christmas story? In fact, what I want to do today is I just kind of want to look at some scripture this morning and kind of look at maybe a survey of what God says about plans. And then after we've done and kind of done a little work of understanding what God says, I want us to apply this just with some real simple things that we can take from here today. So some scripture for us. We're going to begin in Psalm 33, verse 11. You might want to write this down. Look at what God says about plans. He says this. He says, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. And I think this is a really good place to start because this kind of puts plans in perspective. I think a lot of times we come to plans, we think of the things we want to do, and we begin to get very possessive with plans. We think our plans, my plans. We're kind of like that one character in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? We kind of think my precious, my plans. And this scripture is very clear. It's the plans of the Lord. And maybe a way to think about plans is kind of a way you should think about everything in life. You get to be a steward of what God has given you, including the plans in life. And this is the rub, right? We think there are plans, and we get kind of upset. And I've just been thinking all this week, I wonder what God thinks. I mean, he's got plans, and we think there are plans, and then we get so frustrated and so upset with him over trivial little things, like car trouble, right, or aircraft maintenance and delays in airports. Maybe just maybe something to consider this holiday season is to kind of just hold your plans loosely, right, to not be so possessive with them and to kind of keep giving them over, especially when they're not going the way you expect, just to kind of give them over and kind of have this almost this release of tension, like, hey, they're not mine anyways. I'm going to give this back over to God. That's the first thought. That's the first verse. Here's another verse. Look at what God says about plans. Again, Proverbs 19, verse 21. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Beautiful verse, excellent verse. But I think the key word in this verse might be the first one, many. Many are the plans in a person's heart. If you kind of use the old translation of this, it would say, many are the plans in a man's heart. And I wonder if part of the problem is we just make too many plans. In fact, there was a study that was done, I was reading uh, in the UK, it was a few years ago. I don't know how they do these sort of studies, but they looked at how people make decisions throughout the day. And of course, the decisions we make kind of set in motion the plans that we want to happen. And I don't know how they do this, but they counted and they found that the average person makes 35,000 decisions a day. I didn't even realize that we made this many, but some of them are trivial and minor. Things like when you get up in the morning, do you hit the snooze 
nine times, right? Nine times nine minutes. You know, get your 81 minutes of sleep in. Or do you pop up out of bed and go to the gym? Um, things like decisions like when you get up in the morning, do you make a healthy breakfast or do you just grab a bagel and eat it in the car on the way to work? Bigger questions, things like career and what you're going to do with your life, education, decisions around technical training, big decisions like buying a house, getting married, all those decisions we make, we make them in minor ways every single day. And the great summary from this report and the study was the more decisions we make leads to what the researchers coined the phrase decision fatigue. Anyone feeling that this Christmas season? Just a little decision fatigue? I don't know, maybe you, you lead people or you lead an organization. I don't know, sometimes I come home from work and my, I'll just say to my wife, I don't care what we eat, I don't care what we watch, I don't care what we do, as long as I don't have to make any more decisions. And here's the thing, when we come to Christmas, it's really this invitation of Jesus that we really only have to find his purpose in all of our plans. In fact, Jesus offers this, this beautiful exchange that we can come to him and we can bring all of our worries and all of our burdens and we can exchange them. He says, uh, put my yoke upon you and you will find rest, deep restorative rest for your souls. And of course, this is the, this is the invitation of Jesus, not just at Christmas, but every single day that we exist. Maybe the question to ask ourselves is what would it look like if we consciously decided to make less plans? You know, maybe to live with a little more spontaneity in life. I don't know, I'm a planner, I need to hear that. Maybe not just spontaneity, but to live with the singularity of finding God's purpose in our plans. Um, one more verse, and this is kind of a biggie, kind of a popular one. I see this uh, in a lot of artwork and in homes or on jewelry. Definitely a real popular one in the tattoo world, but it's Jeremiah 29:11, And Jeremiah, speaking for God, says these words, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And here's again just this verse just laden with plans, but it's full circle now. I mean, if we've kind of come to understand that these plans are not our plans, they're, they're God's plans, and and we're not to make many, but to find the one purpose in his eternal plan, then it would make sense that God actually has plans for you and for me. And this is kind of a comforting verse if you think about it. In fact, um, I was in a conversation last Sunday after the service uh, with my good buddy Randy Phillips. Randy is one of our mission partners with World Orphans. He's also good-looking guy on stage that plays the bass, and he and I got talking about this because we were talking about how he kind of came to this breakthrough in his life. He kind of came to this point of, of thinking about differently about God. He was kind of writing a paper for school, and, and he said, you know, a lot of times I think that kind of the way in which I'm to live, the way in which God operates is to do the least amount of harm. And Randy said a, a breakthrough for him was realizing that Going through life just kind of doing the least amount of harm is kind of like selling God short because God actually, uh, God actually desires to do the most amount of good. And I've kind of been thinking about that all week, about how we can go through life and we can kind of have this, kind of this flip in the script and thinking about, well, if God wants to do the most amount of good, then God must want me to do the most amount of good as well. And I think that's his plans, his good and perfect plans, this hope and this future that he has for us. 
And of course, the opportunity is to lean into understanding what those good and perfect plans are for each one of us. And this is what I would call having a conversational life with God. And you might call that prayer. In fact, as a pastor, I probably, outside of hot button topics, I probably get asked more questions on, hey, pastor, how do I pray? Um, what does pr prayer life look like? I probably get asked that more than anything else. And I think most of the time it's because people, when they pray, they want God to answer. And really what I mean by that is we want God to answer in a way in which we're praying. And I'm the same way. In fact, I'll have lots of conversations with God, and I'll be asking God to, to help me in this situation or to bless this person or to, to kind of move in this way and, and to show me his direction. And I've had to learn over the years that that can kind of be a, a process of, of talking and listening. And, and I, I can get frustrated as much as anyone else. God, give me an answer. Give me direction. And and I find that things kind of work on a different timetable with God. In fact, I've been uh, kind of reading uh, in the topic of prayer, and I came across this devotional. And the writer of this devotional just, I thought, gave a great illustration of how God answers our prayers. And he related to what a lot of you can already imagine, which is uh, kind of those moments you have with your children. And this author talked about how he has these moments with his kids, especially when he's putting them to bed at night. He says this. He says, this is how it works. He says, it was bedtime in my house, and my kids came to me and made requests. The first kid comes up and says, Dad, I'm hungry. Can I have some grapes? He said, yes, that's a doable request. But the next kid came up to him and add, added, Dad, I'm thirsty. Can I have a Coca-Cola? Dad said, no, there's no bedtime Coca-Cola. You don't have to stay up and study for exams. You're six. Have some water. Go to bed. The last kid comes up to him and says, Dad, I really enjoyed swimming with you today. Can we go swimming right now? The dad answered, later. We'll go swimming later, but not now. It's 10 o'clock at night. Go to bed. And then the author said this. He said, three kids, three different requests. All three of my children whom I love and want to please, but based on their requests and the timing of their requests, they got three very different answers. Yes, no, and later. And I wonder if we just carried kind of that thinking into our prayer life. If we just kind of put the requests we have and our expectations and our plans before God and, and just allowed God to, at times, be really clear with his yes and also really clear with his no. And maybe the sticking point is to kind of realize at times God is going to say later, your request is right, but your timing is off. And you allow that to kind of shape your conversation with God. So now that we know what God thinks about plans and how God orients plans, let's just kind of now consider some of the things we can learn. When plans don't go the way we expect, how how do we react? I want to give you three things. The first thing I want to say is when life doesn't go as planned, we need to begin to ask, is God trying to get my attention? This is sort of the reality that I think we all operate with a little bit of like discontentness. We maybe at times kind of get a little bit frustrated or even we get so in a hurry. I don't know, maybe we get a little bit of spiritual attention deficit disorder, right? Like, we want answers, and when God's not giving us the answer, we have to kind of use that as a clue to say, is he trying to get my attention on this? Um, a really good verse is Psalm 81, verse 13. I love these words. Uh, again, speaking for God, the psalmist says, if my people would only listen to me. Man, I got to tell you, I think it takes 
incredible humility and spiritual maturity to go through some, some hard times or some difficulties where your plans don't line up with God's and to have really just this humility to say, hey, is, is God trying to say something to me? And I want to just kind of encourage you because I would much rather slow down and kind of be humbled than actually keep speeding forward and end up being humiliated. Instead, I think we need to seek for this still small voice of God. I'll, I'll just be really, really honest with you. In my experience with God, God's whisper is far more prevalent than his shouts. And so we can tune in and we can listen. Next thought to do is when life doesn't go as planned is to really think that God's plan must be better. It has to be. It's his plans. They're eternal. They're up to him. And I think about this in Mary's life, right? I mean, Mary didn't go as planned. She's not married yet. She has to take this hard, difficult journey on a donkey. No midwife. No epidural, right? Like, a lot of difficulty. But what if Jesus had not come? What if Jesus was not born? What if we were without this better plan of rescue for our lives? I can tell you where we'd be. We'd be without hope and without God. And again, this is the beauty of God. We have such a better plan. He has such a better plan for us to trust him. And that's the last thought. When life doesn't go as planned, what God really wants is God wants you and I to trust him. In fact, this is really the life of faith is, is kind of operating by faith and not by sight. And actually praying that prayer, thy kingdom come. And God, your will be done on earth, in this life, in the plans that I have to hold so lightly and so preciously, and to allow you to do the work here in this place. God, I'm going to trust you even when I don't understand. And I want to tell you this morning that whatever plans you've made, whatever plans you're holding right now, whatever you're thinking you want God to do, I want you to just kind of lean into him and trust him especially in those areas where God has maybe been disappointing to you, to use this opportunity and this morning and the beautiful and simple message of Christmas to trust God with all of your plans yet again. In fact, I'm going to invite Eli and the team to come up, and they're just going to lead you in a time of reflection. And I wanted to offer you maybe just a little bit of a, a Christmas prayer, or maybe it's a, a little bit of a liturgy or a mantra, or maybe it's a kind of just something you can pray throughout the day, maybe under your breath, maybe several times throughout the day. This has sort of been a kind of the scaffolding or the structure in which I've been praying uh, for the last several weeks. In fact, I just want to offer this to you, these very simple words. You can just simply pray, I can't. God, I can't figure this out. God, I can't find my way through this. But I know that he can. He is more powerful. He is able. And so I think I'll let him. And so whatever you're going through, whatever plans, whatever frustrations, you can just simply say in your prayers to God, God, I can't, but he can. So I think I'll let him. I want to give you an opportunity to make that prayer just real for yourself right now. And whatever it is you're going through, to just have a moment and to talk to God. So if you would bow your heads and if you would pray with me, please. God, I thank you so much for this Advent season, this time in which we can prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus. And our children did such a beautiful job just keeping it simple and bringing it back to the simple reality, Lord, that you have come in human form for us, not against us. And God, that's the invitation to lay down all of our burdens and all of our struggles and all of the things that we've maybe held too tightly to 
and to lay them at your feet. God, I pray specifically for every person here that whatever they brought into this space, whatever hurt that they've been carrying, whatever habit they can't let go of, whatever hang-up that just has defined them, Lord, that you could use this time to just come really close into their hearts and to offer them once again your peace and your invitation to come and to follow me. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gift of salvation. And we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate this gift now. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide.